0: All who listen to this happy podcast, welcome to In Walt's Time with me, your host Craig Mahoney. Hey, kids, your old pal Craigers here with episode four of the podcast where we discuss the life and work of one Walter Elias Disney, as well as those who lived and worked with him. Welcome back! Happy to have you. I know we've got some new subscribers, uh, some new listeners. Thank you so much. I hope I hope you're still listening. I hope I hope you checked it out and said, you know what? I want to hear more. Um I also want to welcome the new Substack subscribers. If you want to if you want to support the podcast and you also want to be notified of new episodes as well as any new uh Disney art that I do, give a please subscribe over at uh, craigmahoney.substack.com. You can become a free subscriber and you get all the you know, the regular episodes and and be notified of any new art that I have. Uh if you become a paid subscriber, you will not only um Get bonus episodes and I'm recording the first one this weekend where I'll discuss uh, more uh, things outside the general purview of this podcast, Um, you know, outside the time of Walt himself and and this week I'm actually going to be talking about sort of the the current state of affairs of the Walt Disney Company and uh, some of my opinions on them. Um, You'll get those bonus episodes, you'll also get some... uh, Sort of behind-the-scenes uh, work-in-progress sneak previews of any of us, some larger Disney art pieces that I'm working on. You'll have a uh, first crack at purchasing any of those or any prints. You'll also get a twenty percent off. All paid subscribers get twenty percent off of my online gallery store. If you ever want to purchase any original art or prints, uh, it's a nice little nice little perk for you there. And only paid subscribers can comment on Substack posts. But uh, speaking of the artwork, I do have a new post on the sub substra- on the Substack with some new art that I have available. Some cool little colored pencil pieces, some little some watercolors, some gouache uh, that I think you'll enjoy. And the holiday season is upon us. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Please to support your local artist and podcast. Um, <laughs> if you want. To- Great time to go buy some of this stuff. It's good to make some nice gifts for the Disney lover in your life. If you would like to uh, commission a piece, I am taking a limited amount of commissions right now, uh, only for smaller pieces. But uh, if you want it done by Christmas Day, uh, get it in ASAP. Please. Uh, also, we are available on all the major podcast platforms now. I believe you should. You, I know you can get us on Apple. I know you can get us on Spotify and uh, Pandora, and that. And please, if you're listening on those, you know, subscribe there, and please rate and review so that uh, people can search and find the podcast a little easier. Just help spread the word. Help listen. Support support your fellow uh, Disney enthusiast here, as well as um, a struggling independent artists. <laughs> As we as we head into the the cold, lean months of winter, and I try to try to keep a roof over mine and my dog's head and f- food in his bowl, won't you please think of those less fortunate? Anyway, um, hey, speaking of uh, Disney history and. Uh, Christmas season coming up uh one of one of the things I don't think I mentioned of uh, the many many ways that you know Walt's influence lives on in all sorts of various uh unexpected uh, far reaching ways is uh, his he and his company were very big with the, the beginnings of Toys for Tots it was uh founded by I believe the U.S. Marines and of course uh collects toys for children in need or who can't get any of their own and then you know basically you know just doles out uh Dolls out toys to poor kids on Christmas, essentially, and people donate toys. Uh, but the Toys for Tots, so Walt was very big with uh, promoting and supporting Toys for Tots in its first few years. And train lover that he was, uh, helped design and commissioned, you know, the the one of his artists to design the logo for Toys for Tots. You see, you know, that train logo uh, of the of the charity there. That was uh, that was designed by I don't know exactly who the artist was, but. Yeah, Walt helped uh, come up with that and uh, that was uh, designed by Disney. So again, for we, it, it's it's amazing the the life this guy led and the it's just un, almost uncountable little influences that you see throughout the, that that he's had on American culture and our life even even today. Um, so there you go. There's a little fun little fun little holiday tidbit as we head into that uh, the Yuletide season. Now, before we get into the meat of today's episode, I want to go uh, a couple episodes back. I kind of did a, uh, I did a show where I, I listed a lot of the books and um, podcasts and blogs that I've been getting into as I sort of uh, start my journey here as a as an amateur Disney historian and a Disney history uh, podcaster. Uh, I came across, I, mi- I missed one that I, I, I forgot to mention one that I do listen to on occasion. And I came across a new one that I definitely want to mention. Um, first of all, there's a podcast called The Sweep Spot. That's W S E E P, as in sweep, as in broom. It is hosted by two former custodians at Disneyland, and it's largely a a, a Disneyland centric podcast, and not necessarily uh, a Disney history podcast. But they will occasionally have on uh, Jim Corcus, one of the authors I mentioned in that episode, um, to talk about the history of Disneyland, as well as other you know former cast members, and so they will discuss the history of that park, which is very cool. Um, especially for me, I, I still have yet to get over there. You know, it's, 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 um, it's interesting to hear about it, but it's also sometimes a little, um, you know, especially when they're talking about things going on at the park. Now it's always a little tough for me to get into it because as a, uh, as a New Jersey native, a New York city resident, I am as an East coaster. I'm very familiar with the Orlando park, uh, but not so much the, uh, the Anaheim one, but that is my goal within the next year. To finally get over to Walt's Park and see it, and um, maybe you know, maybe we create some content for the show and for the podcast here, uh, which would be very, very cool. And you know, and if we have enough subscribers, and I'm you know, five, five especially paid subscribers, and I'm monetizing the podcast, uh, we can write that trip off. So let's let's make that happen. Let's let's make my Disney vacations uh, t- you know tax write off <laughs> business expenses. Help, help me with that, please. <laughs> that that'd be great. Um, so there's sweep spot. Also, this new one I discovered and it's read. They're a hundred episodes in, so they're not that new. But the Hyperion Hub, which is really great. Um, they recently had the author uh, DDA Gez. DDA Gez. I, I brutalized his name in a previous episode, and I apologize for that. Uh, they they recently had a great interview with him on. He's one of the authors I mentioned, who's a uh, Behind the "They Drew as They Pleased" series, and he's got a new book out about the True Life Adventures series, uh, which I mentioned previously. Uh, so check those out. Check that out. Hyperion Hub. I just recently listened to their uh, two-part interview with uh, Don Hahn, producer of Beauty and the Beast, who's also uh, going to come up in a little bit as a host featured in a uh one of the disney plus specials we're going to be talking about uh he also he also follows me on instagram so i gotta i gotta message him and see if i can uh, get him on this show or don if you're listening uh anytime buddy come on you're you're more than welcome any anytime you want yeah, we'll, just, we'll just go on and on and on with don han on and on with don han that's he should have his own podcast called that that would that's a there you go that's my gift to you mr han so um I highly recommend the Hyperion Hub and um, the Sweep Spot. Also, I forgot to mention the Walt Disney Family Museum has their own podcast where they obviously go through a lot of uh, a lot of Disney history. And I want that to be one of the stops when I make my way uh, to the West Coast to go to Disneyland. I want to do Disneyland and the Walt Disney Family Museum all in the... Uh, Same trip, as well as uh, maybe if I can get over to Skywalker Ranch, that would be awesome. And then just you know, then we're just there in Wine Country, and we can uh, enjoy the heck out of that the rest of the way. But uh, Walt Disney Family Museum, follow them on Instagram, and uh, check out the podcast. It is it is a great resource for Disney history. Also, I I I mentioned I said I was going to mention uh, some of my Instagram. (laughs) follows that i think are great for and there are a few if you're on if you're on the gram and if you are you should be following me at in time also your old pal kregers uh but there's some really cool accounts here that are great if you're looking for again uh disney history um what do i have here we have history at disney exactly like it's uh like you think it's spelled Walt at Disneyland. That's Walt underscore at underscore Disneyland. Disneyland uh, Disney World Retro is another great one. Keeping Walt in Disney is a really good one. And uh, recently started it Became friends, uh, f- social media friends, and interacting with uh, Brian Crawford, the the guy behind that, who's really cool. And I think we're going to try to get him on a future episode. Um, what else? What are the other ones? Uh, I know there's a couple others. Um is that a oh, Walt's folly is a, is a is a good one too um, which is mostly about uh Disneyland and the and the creation and the early years of that park there so if you're on the gram check those out and of course be sure to support me and the podcast in Walt's time i do thank you so much for listening um before we get into um now obviously last week if you listened uh, i went over a lot of the sort of classic content that you can um watch and enjoy if you're interested in uh, you know learning more if you're, about you know what this the the purview of this podcast is which is um you know the Walt and his life and this studio and what it produced during his life and you know what I think is some of the the can't miss uh essential watches uh of you know shorts and features and obviously and stuff like that obviously produced by the studio at that time but also um Some of the, uh, you know, Disneyland television stuff, some of the -the behind-the-scenes things produced by Walt uh, the Reluctant Dragon mentioned a few different things there. Um, So go back and listen to that episode. This week we're going to be talking about more of the, you know, the various uh, documentary movies and series and shows that you can find on there that, you know, also educate you about Disney history. Um, Before we get into that, though, I do want to clarify and just go over uh, some statements I made last week. Not that I think there was anything wrong with them, but basically about sort of uh, how Disney is handling potentially um, offensive <laughs> uh, class uh, old content or you know movies, shows, songs, uh, or you know, attractions at the park and and on Disney Plus. And um, I just wanted I. I I received no feedback, positive or negative, about that. Um, I haven't really received much feedback at all, actually, about the show. But then again, you do have to be a paying subscriber to comment. So, <laughs> but um, I just wanted to, I, I i wasn't planning on wading into those waters. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't really prepared and was just sort of speaking off the top of my head. So I just do want to r- clarify my position on... Uh, on how I feel Disney should handle that stuff. Now, first of all, I think as far as the attractions goes, like if we're talking about changing Splash Mountain over, um, I think if you want to update an attraction to uh, reflect more current um, IP, uh, they're certainly able to do that. I don't feel like they should do that in general at all, just just for the sake of you know. Um, of keeping up with current ip obviously nostalgia is a big part of disney's brand uh but whatever they're you know f- things change you know they're free to do that uh and again I'm, song of the south is I've, a movie that i find fairly cringeworthy also to be honest um outside of the animated segments uh i i just don't think it's very good <laughs> i think it's a boring not great movie the live action segments sorry all due respect to the uh the dear departed the bobby driscoll who had a sort of uh tragic end to his life but um i i really don't give a crap about his character and what he's going through i don't care uh anyway that being said uh i think listen if you want to change it that's fine i don't think song of the south needed to be changed because my my general point was and again and they're taking i think uh you know, Zippity-Doo-Dah is, a, and and when I see an elephant fly, I know some were songs that have been removed from, uh, I think, the, uh, the fantasy parade that goes on a few times a day there uh, going down Main Street. And my point was basically, I think, removed from the context of the movies themselves. If you're not seeing these sort of uh, crows who are, you know, caricatures of a certain type of... Um, black performer at the time, and they're, you're not watching them and listening to them and seeing them sing that. And again, zippity Doodah removed, and, and even the characters of Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear removed from the context of Song of the South. Uh, I, I just don't think there's anything particularly uh, offensive about, about them at, at all, no matter how you feel about it. So that's, and you may disagree with me, and that's fine. And you may think there's nothing even wrong with Song of the South. You may be like, what are you talking about? It's a great movie. I cried when... Little Bobby, when they finally learned they weren't going to lose their home or however it ends. I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. We're allowed to disagree. Part of this is going to be – I'm, I'm always going to try to be generous in the way that I uh, express my opinion. Um, so I just – that was my one point there is I don't think there's anything particularly uh, – I, I, I don't – I'd hate to see them lose um, – When I See an Elephant Fly and Zippity-Doo-Dot. Because I think they're they're both great songs. And when I see an Elephant Fly, it's just, I mean, it's such a cleverly written song. It's just, there's nothing racist about it itself. It's just, it's a song full of puns. You know, that's it. Um, And as far as the Disney Plus thing goes, uh, I I think I'm fine with them having some sort of um, disclaimer or warning. A content warning before certain shows. Whether it be for anything. Um... You know, like smoking, drinking, sexual innuendo, whatever. Um, you know, or you know, outdated ethnic or gender depictions or whatever. That's all all fine. I I I don't like this sort of moral certitude and sort of finger wagging, lecturing tone of you know the it was wrong then and it's wrong now tone. I think that's up to the up to the individual to decide how wrong it is or is not. Uh, But I'm perfectly fine with them putting some sort of a warning or disclaimer in front of those shows. And I'm also fine with them saying, with uh, some of the, um, taking some of the older uh, movies and content that they think might be uh, a little, you know, that they think that some parents might not want their children to just stumble upon without the parents being able to be there to sort of explain and put it into context for them. Uh, you know, so just what they've done with Peter Pan and Dumbo, they've moved it off of the, you, if you just have the, if you're on the kid's profile, you can't watch it. It's on the adult profile. I'm perfectly fine with them doing that. However, I think if you are going to sit there and say, hey, this stuff is wrong, it's horrible, it's racist, it was wrong then and it's wrong now. But if you go here, you, you can still watch it, we'll still allow you, we're still gonna show it to you because it's part of the history and whatever, um, then I think then that then there's no excuse not to put any any content uh previously deemed offensive or potentially offensive uh on, on the platform, such as Song of the South or uh, you know, was it Make Mind Music? You know, for some reason that you know is not on Disney Plus at all, um, or even some of the shorts where there might be some you know fairly questionable, sketchy, offensive uh, caricatures on there. So uh, that was all I'm trying to say is I think they've they've built in these sort of. It, it's weird because by by doing what they thought was the right thing, they sort of maybe get themselves out of a little hot water. Uh, while still being able to, you know, have keep certain content on there and trying to, I think, please everyone at once, they sort of um, they open the door now to be like, well, if if this if this stuff is so horrible, but you're you're showing it here, then why why leave anything off? Um, so that's all I'm trying to say. It, it kind of it, it. I I think we're starting to cool off a little bit as far as the culture wars, certainly from where they were uh, two years ago. Um, I'm recording this right after election day. And it seems, it seems that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of these sort of more extreme candidates on either side, uh, did, did, did not win elections. And that's, that's for me, very, I, am I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, and I'd like to see the temperature on a lot of this discourse about a lot of these things, uh, simmer down a little bit because it's, it, it's, it's, Listen. Obviously, all art and all entertainment exists within a certain time. It interacts with society a certain way. Walt himself certainly uh, was not apolitical. You know, he was a registered Republican. He donated to um, uh, some you know po- Republican uh, political campaigns. He was fiercely anti-communist. Testified against the. Uh, testified in the House on American activity. Uh, committee in front of the House of Un-American Activities Committee, which uh, the newest Hyperion Hub podcast episode is about. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but um, so there, there's always going to be a strain of that in any sort of art or entertainment. It always, you know, there's always a conversation going on, um, you, know, you know, with society and uh, our, so, our culture and politics and social mores and what's appropriate what's not but it does seem that things are at a particularly heated pitch right now um and and dragging Disney down into it a little bit and uh it stinks that you can't have uh a Disney podcast like this or a history show without having to at least comment on it or refer to it or talk about it in in some way shape or form um so you know, it's not it's not a position I necessarily want to be in in these opening episodes here, but but here we are because this is you know this is uh, the, you know the, these are things that need to be addressed. This is what's happening uh, with the company, and and especially a podcast that specifically um, focuses on that time period. I think it's fair to. Uh, discuss how a lot of the stuff from that time period is currently being uh, presented and uh, reassessed by the company itself and by the public. And overall, I don't think there is that much of a reassessment from the public. I think in general with a lot of these things where, you know, companies decide certain things are uh, offensive and decide to, you know, change or censor or put some sort of guardrails in front of it, um, whether it be, uh, you know— more religious conservative types worried about sex and violence, or you know, more liberal types worried about uh, certain things that might be, you know, uh, bigoted or you know, harming a marginalized group in some way. I always feel like the general public is they might they might cringe a little, they might be like, eh, and maybe that's not appropriate or yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable seeing that old thing. But generally, I don't think they I don't think they have as much of a problem with it as. Um, it, I think a lot of, a lot of these changes end up getting made because of a, a very, mi- a, a minority of very loud, very passionate activist, uh, types. And, uh, you know, that's where that's, that's, that's sort of always been the case. And I, and it seems, it seems they've gotten a lot louder and taken up a lot more of the public discourse recently than they had in past years. And, um, I, don't know, I hope I hope Disney and a lot of corporations in general uh, are just a little more um, take a little more time to to say like hey wait a second how much of this is is just this very is it how, how, how much of this is the real general public that that has a problem with this and how much of this is a small? group of people, um, and how, and how big a problem is that small group of people going to be for us? Because <laughs> that does need to be taken into account, right? Um, even if it is just a small group of people, if that small group of people is, as a core group of your employees, well, then you need to, you, you, you need to consider that. They have a little more weight than, uh, than, than just a bunch of, you know, a few thousand people, uh, retweeting a hashtag on Twitter, you know? So anyway, um, I myself have a fairly high bar for, uh. I don't get offended, as I mentioned, by a lot, uh, but I am obvious. I am sensitive to uh, other people's, you know, uh, sensibilities and and how offended they get. So I'm not gonna. So I I, I kind of fall in the middle uh, on a lot of this stuff and a lot of this talk, where I, you know a lot of people try to dismiss it and say there's ah eh, there's nothing wrong with uh song of the south at all, and anyone who thinks so is just being too sensitive. And other people who think it needs to be buried deep beneath the earth till the end of time. I'm sort of like yeah, you know, it's definitely. Makes me a little uncomfortable watching it. Definitely cringe a little, but uh, perfectly fine with them putting it on Disney Plus with the disclaimer in front of it in the uh, adults-only profile, the you know the adult supervision profile. Uh, so that's where I stand on that. <laughs> We've gotten that out of the way. who Can you hear the flop sweat? <laughs> Discussing on the next in. Listen to In Walt's Time with Craig Mahoney every Wednesday discussing all the hot-button issues in the Disney universe. Uh, So, all right, that's out of the way. On to other business. Part two of our tour through Disney Plus and the various uh, educational resources available there to learn more about Walt Disney and his studio during his life. They do have a like. Like I said, we went over a bunch of the classic stuff in the previous episode. Give that a listen, if you dare. Uh, <laughs> today, however, we'll be doing a rundown of the various uh, documentary features and series produced in either in the last twenty years before Disney Plus or produced exclusively for by Disney Plus uh, that you can find on the aforementioned Disney Plus. <laughs> All right. Let's kick it off with 1995's Frank and Ollie, available on the service. Written and directed by Frank's son Theodore, who is also uh, the director of Walton El Grupo, which we'll be talking about in a bit. Also available on the service, on the service, on the surface of the service, and also deep within the service. Um, <laughs> Frank and Ollie—it's—it it, is—it is delightful. Uh, obviously, two of the nine old men. Frank, if you're listening to this, you you've you've heard their names before. You've seen their cameos in a uh, Brad Bird movies. They're they're the two old men sitting on the park bench uh, at the end of The Incredibles, talking. Of, you know, that's the way it's done. No school like the old school. After The Incredibles saved the day, they're also both. Uh, I believe are they? They're they're in they're in the Iron Giant. I'm not sure if they're in it together or not. I know. Um, I believe Ollie plays a train conductor, and I think Frank—I think they're both there as they're, as they're checking uh, the, the missing track that the Iron Giant ate. Brad, Brad put them both uh, in there as well, a little cameo for them. But this is a 1995 documentary about, uh, about their friendship and about their life and career with Disney. It works as a great companion piece to the book I mentioned a couple episodes ago, The Illusion of Life, uh, The Art of Disney Animation. That is a, you know, Great reference for anybody looking to learn about the learn about the animation and, and itself, as well as um, the history of the Disney company at that time. Uh, it it is it, it really is they're they're great they're great uh, personalities. It's very uh, it's very charming sort of document uh, documentary. Their wives are in it. It goes into uh, also some of their side hobbies. How much Ollie loved trains. Frank's uh, piano playing and his. Uh, Piano playing with uh, Ward Kimball's Firehouse 5 plus 2. The little jazz combo uh, made up mostly of members of the Disney studio at the time. Um, it also, it's very cool. Like I said, it, it works as a little bit of a companion piece with the, with the book that they wrote. Because there are pieces, uh, there are parts of this where it shows them acting out you know, certain scenes that they animated from certain movies. Um and then we'll show you the animations side by side, and and in it, you know, and some of the scenes they pick are also ones that they go over in the book, as well. Um, so that's that's uh, pretty cool. It's not they're, 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 they 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 complement each other well, both the book and the movie. But obviously, you I mean not everyone's going to read that entire book. It's big. It's a long book. Um, Frank and Ali, though, I highly recommend it. Very delightful. Nice insight into. Uh, not not just uh, two of the best animators, especially hand-drawn animators to ever live, and um, two men who really helped carry on the the you know Walt's legacy and the Disney studio of the 30s and 40s and 50s legacy into the late 20th century. But who also it's also it's just a great uh, story about a, about a lifelong friendship about how these guys you know sort of became friends and they became you know not just Frank Thomas and Ellie Johnston but you know two of the nine old men. You know, uh but Frank and Ollie, like a pair, a unit, you know, almost almost a uh, single living organism. Um so it's I, I it definitely it's definitely uh great. I recommended Theodore uh Frank's son wrote and directed that as I mentioned, and he also did uh Walton El Grupo, the documentary about um the, Walt and the, his wife and the various uh, people from the studio that they took on the Good Neighbor tour down to South America that ended up uh, resulting in Saludos Amigos. And just as uh, Frank and Ollie makes a great companion piece to the uh, the book that they wrote, um, Walt and El Grupo is a great companion piece to Saludos Amigos. It works as um, almost, a, almost a behind-the-scenes making of the movie itself, uh, which is, of course part of the movie of Saludos Amigos they show you a little bit of that there um it's really uh wonderfully done there's a lot of really great photographs a lot of great uh the art that they produced at the time and not only do they uh do they have I think um Frank Thomas's uh widow and and they have some of the you know the children and the wives of some of the people I think uh, Ted Sears wife um reads they're they're reading uh Speaking for these people who are no longer alive at the time of the document that the documentary was made, um, I think it was 2003. This was made here. Let me uh, double check. Uh, 2000, oh, 2008. I'm sorry, um, it was five years early. Anyway, uh, Walt and Group Grupo, it's great. They 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 show some of the. Um, The kids, grandkids, and wives reading the letters that were written home. So part of the narration is is from these letters, um, the artists themselves telling the the story of their time there and how they, uh, their thoughts on on these very new and you know foreign countries that they had you know most of them had never left, a lot of them had never left California, let alone America, and were experiencing these vastly different cultures and their. their impressions of these new exciting places, uh, and there's also some of their homesickness and sort of their their interactions with the people there, uh, the artists. They also, uh, in each country, you know, they go to the Bra- they go to Brazil, and it's kind of cool because it acts as a travelogue on its own because they they go to Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay and Chile to um, and you know to shoot interviews with some of these people who again are, are oftentimes children of. Um, some of the uh, artists and notable uh, countrymen of the people they met down there, they interview a man who was one of the traditional uh, gaucho dancers in Argentina. He's very old, of course, by this time, but he, he's 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 uh, got some great memories of and remembrances of that time. the uh, The son of the man who wrote Brazil, the song featured in uh, Saludos Amigos, you know, Brazil, Brazil, you know the song. Uh, so it's it's really it's it's absolutely delightful. Um, it's it's a little bit of a tough rewatch. I, I rewatched it again recently last week in preparation for this episode, and uh, a lot of the rewatching of things I do is while I'm working here in the studio, drawing and painting, and I just put it on, and I kind of have it on in the background. Now this obviously since they're they're speaking to a lot of people in Brazil and Argentina and Chile and Uruguay, uh, they're all speaking Portuguese and Spanish. There's a lot of uh, subtitles. So you have to pay attention. It's not something you could have on while you're making dinner, you know, and and just you know catch most of it through osmosis. So, but it's 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 absolutely delightful, charming. Um, again, Theodore Thomas, he does such a great. They, they both this and Frank and Ali. There's just a real warmth to both of them, and they do. Uh, at the end, there is you know some people felt like maybe you know there's a little criticism. Some people felt like maybe you know the. Disney should have done more for some of the people down there or you know not necessarily done more but um you know he kind of came and, and interacted with some of these artists and then just sort of left and felt like or that um you know they 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 didn't necessarily feel like the shorts in the various in the movie Necess- they thought it was going to be a little more representative of uh the culture so there, you know there's a little bit of uh, criticism uh, you know uh of Saludos amigos but for the most part it's just you know what a great Time and and everyone had down there, and even some of the people. Well, you know, there's also some parts where you know so they they do talk about homesickness and liking some places more than others. But generally, it's it's a great travelogue. Uh, it's it's of those countries and those areas, a great sort of behind the scenes making of the film. Great little insight into the culture and it's sort of this cultural exchange that went on, and uh, and and a lot of the love and warmth that still. Uh, exists from some of these people uh, who remember, or you, you know, uh, are entrusted with uh, keeping some of the memories alive uh, down there, and some of the you know the archives of um, of, of the trip, uh, and and the memories of the people who went, and just sort of this. Uh, you know, what what a, what a great experience it was uh, for all of them. And uh, it's, like I said, makes a great little companion piece to Saludos Amigos. I, I recommend watching them both together. Just, you know, throwing that on right after Saludos, Saludos Amigos. After Jose Carioca and Donald uh, dance off into the night there. You can check that out. There is also uh, The Boys, about the Sherman brothers. Robert and Richard Sherman. And that's, that's an interesting... Uh, another... Sort of heartwarming, um, but sad in a way. Uh, tale about the Sherman brothers who wrote so many of the songs that we associate with Disney, especially the Parks, especially you know Disney in the '60s, Mary Poppins, uh, The Jungle Book, Sword in the Stone, and then uh, you know it's one, it, um, it's a small world, and uh, even beyond, even even you know after Walt had passed, you know they wrote uh, one little spark. For the imagination of uh, um, Figment, the journey through imagination, which still my all-time favorite Disney attraction uh, that I really ugh, don't get me started on what they did to that. They sh- there's anything they're doing 40th anniversary of Epcot. How do you not refurbish that and bring that back? Come on! Uh, I also did a very nice uh, that I, I really. Cute figment gouache painting. If you check out that other Substack post with my new art, I I I, I like it very much. <laughs> anyway, uh, the boys, yeah, it 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 goes on about um sort of that you know they how they struggled and it, they were they were you know they were adults with families by the time they sort of got discovered by Disney and, and wrote some songs for The Parent Trap and then had some hits with Annette Funicello uh, and and really started you know having success. As songwriters, and it goes into the history of how their father was a songwriter, and then their their experiences um, in the military. I believe it was uh, Bob Sherman, the older brother, who fought in World War II, was shot in the knee, and ended up uh, walking with a cane for the rest of his life, and also uh, entered uh, was you know was one of the first soldiers to enter the Dachau uh, concentration camp. It's sort of how that shaped him for the rest of his life, as you would expect. That it would, uh, and then the the, uh, the medals that he received for that, and and it and it goes through sort of like you know their their working relationship uh, throughout their life, and then they had a falling out and didn't talk to each other for years, and ends with a uh, a reunion of sorts, and it's very uh, touching and heartwarming, and a um, uh, great insight into that part of the Disney legacy, and uh, so many of the songs we remember. And obviously, there's some uh, interviews with Mary uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Julie Andrews, who played, who is not actually Mary Poppins, but played Mary Poppins on screen, uh, the Academy Award-winning performance, and Dick Van Dyke, a- among others. It's uh, it's great. It's, if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen it. You've seen these, right? You you know these. So those are the uh, those are the ones there that have been produced before the existence of Disney Plus. Now there's been a few uh, produced ex- exclusively, explicitly, exclusively, whatever. Uh, Officially for and by Disney. One is The Imagineering Story uh, by Leslie, produced, I think, and directed by Leslie Iwerks, the granddaughter of Ub Iwerks, who was, of course, the animator and friend that Walt brought from Kansas City to Hollywood. He was the main animator on uh, Steamboat Willie and most of the early Mickey shorts before leaving to. found his own cartoon studio that, that just never really made it and didn't last very long and then ended up coming back to work for Walt for years, but not as an animator, but sort of as an all-purpose handyman, fix-it guy, inventor, uh, engineer who would you know, handle various mechanical problems that Walt had, with you know whether they'd be uh, things they wanted to work at the parks or cameras or things like that. And uh, his granddaughter puts this together for the end, uh, going over the whole history The Imagineers, from the conception of Disneyland and the formation of WED Enterprises, and how they pulled some uh, people, mostly from the you know the studio itself—filmmakers and animators and various uh, set designers—that they brought in from other studios as well—and takes you all the way through. I think it's six episodes. Takes you all the way through to the parks now, and it goes through the you know. Not just uh, the creation of Disneyland, but also then uh, Walt Disney World and Epcot Center, then you know Tokyo Disneyland, uh, Euro Disney, Shanghai and a lot of the various newer uh, lands and expansions and the parks all over the world. It covers everything, it covers everything at every park from early 50s until now. For our purposes though, as far as just learning about Walt and his life, uh really the first two episodes, if you're if you're just you know, if that's your main concern. Um, you know, that's what I just rewatched uh for this episode. And um it's great. It's it really does uh it does a lot of um interviews with uh guys like Raleigh Crump, Marty Sklar, Bob Gurr, a lot of the old imagineers, and it does it does a pretty good thorough job. Um fairly objective job, too, of taking you into the creation of Disneyland, and then sort of as they began to update certain things, and then the second episode comes after Walt's death, but still, uh, you know, deals with things that he had, projects he had begun when he was alive, so I think it's still interesting. You know, the only the only one that's really about Walt is the first episode, and then at the end, he passes away, uh, and then spoiler, and then the second episode is about them moving on, but obviously, you know, I think Talking about the the beginnings and the opening of Walt Disney World and um, even Epcot and of course the Haunted Mansion, which I'll get covered in depth in those episodes. I think it still, uh, I think it, you know, it, it still falls under under, under the uh, in, within the boundaries of what we're talking about on here because they were initiated by Walt. They were taking Walt's plans and they were trying to interpret them the best they could after he was gone. So I think if even if you're if you're talking about you know strictly Walt. I still think it's fair to talk about uh, those things. Um, So yeah, those first two episodes I'd recommend. The whole series I'd recommend, but it is interesting because you see the change in sort of attitude and philosophy within the company by the between the first and last episode. Like I can't remember. I haven't rewatched the whole thing. I got to go back and find it, and maybe I'll maybe when I. I do my bonus episode on sort of things that are going on now. I'll bring it up. But I remember that, you know, there were some quotes from Walton house. He he was talking about, you know, how it wasn't necessarily about making money or, or, uh, you know, how it really was just about, you know, making the customer happy and just doing new and exciting things. And, you know, exploring new boundaries, and whatever. Um, and by the end, there's a Bob Iger quote. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember how much it struck me when I first sat down and watched this full series. Uh, how much you know? It was sort of almost the opposite of what Walton was saying, <laughs> you know. Um, and while there is still obviously just incredibly talented people uh, there, it does seem like there there there's, does seem to be a different difference in focus. And obviously, like a lot, they're still producing a lot of great work. I'm Not trying to you know slander the, the Imagineers now, but um, it, it's interesting to see the evolution of that. Um, like you how it went from sort of people who they there there were no such things as engineers there were no such things as theme park designers or you know there you know people now now you can go to school for this sort of thing at the time they took they took cartoonists you know and they took uh you know production designers and brought them in to help this and then they'd let you know they they would come up with the ideas and then they'd give them to various engineers and architects to figure out how to make it real and make it work and now it's sort of one um Coherent, like inclusive discipline uh, where you just, you study this thing. And I think there's a little something missing by not having, I think they could, they could use having a little bit more uh, people from, you know, from s- uh, animation, from filmmaking, people who are storytellers, gag men, maybe from, th- you know, who where that's their discipline. Like if all you study is theme park attractions and there's people who are great at it, and people who still know a lot, you know, we can still make very fun, warm um, attractions. But you look at like Pirates and and Haunted Mansion and Jungle Cruise still hold up today. Because, in large part, because of Mark Davis's designs and in guys like Claude Coates and Exitensio and Ken Anderson and John Hench and these guys who had cut their teeth creating these, these just beloved classic animated films. And they were able to you know, bring that same sensibility and that same um, knack for character and story and engaging with an audience uh, into, into these attractions, into the, the three-dimensional world. And now it seems to be more about sort of a visceral experience and you know more of a sensational experience while they still talk preach story and story and and there is always some sort of a story involved and again I'm not I'm not trying to be true critical because I do love a lot of the new attractions um I I do think there is a little something a little something missing like there's a reason people still love the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean despite you know there being no great new technological breakthroughs uh in the in the production or presentation of either attraction you know there's been obviously a little updates here and there but generally it's still pretty much the same the same uh as as they were when they opened overall uh so i yeah it, it it's it's interesting to just see see the change over the years uh with that uh but i do think i think one of the reasons that that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge works so well uh, is because they did work with people on Lucasfilm who had worked on Star Wars they were you know movies and shows and had been at Lucasfilm for years I think you know Doug Chang started uh, with with uh, George uh, back uh, did he go on with the special editions or did he sign off for the prequels one or the other but either way that's like you know he's been there for ages so these guys kind of knew how to take you into that world and present you with a story uh that i think uh you know really works and has a sort of a different feel than maybe some of the other uh newer things but um yeah i just i i I found that to be uh very interesting to see how it goes and it's because it is it's sort it's sort of a um you 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 marvel at sort of the new technology and then but it it does seem there's it seems a little a little colder it just you know than it than it did when it started out uh that's that's the way i feel anyway and if're if you're if you're the type of person who's gonna listen to a podcast like this chances are you agree with me at least a little uh but it's it's a it's a fantastically uh done well put together um documentary series angela bassett does the uh narration and she's wonderful she does an incredible job she 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 can uh she can do voiceover or narration for anything, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they they also speaking of uh, companions pieces to vary it to these some of these uh, things. They did just I think today or tomorrow or this week they're releasing the Imagine, Imagineering story uh, companion uh, book along with it. So there there is a there, it's a coffee table style book. With uh, I haven't you know I've seen some of the previews of it. Obviously have not gotten it yet myself. But uh, I definitely want to check that out. I think that's definitely, especially you know, we're talking about holiday shopping here, that might be something to put on your list or, you know, the list of Disney fan you know because it looks like it's going to be pretty, pretty cool and have a lot of uh, great photographs and stories and maybe go a little bit more in depth and show you a little more concept art than you saw in the, uh, in the series itself. Also, uh, along those lines... Imagineering is launching a new... uh, Launching... What the heck just happened there? (laughs) Um, Launching a a new effort here. Where are we? Uh, Why why am I on this page? Uh, Here we go. Imagineering in a box. This was also just announced. Um, Presented by Walt Disney Imagineering. What this is... I'm going to read right from the about page here. Imagineering in a Box is a free online educational curriculum available through Khan Academy. Khan, like, spelled like Genghis Khan, or like, you know, Wrath of Khan! Khan! Uh, <laughs> Star Trek 2. Lessons compile expertise of Disney Imagineers from hundreds of career disciplines around the world to share with learners of all ages. As part of the 35 educational videos, that's pretty impressive. The curriculum features project-based exercises that apply science, technology, engineering, art, and math that allow learners to create themed experiences. Copyright the Walt Disney Company. Um, again, it's, it's apply science, technology, engineering, art, and math. doesn't say anything about storytelling in there, which is interesting. Uh, well, but I'm sure there will be I know they still have I know story is still a very important part of Imagineering I'm not trying to suggest it is not uh, so I don't know if this is going to there. but there's if you go to KhanAcademy.org there's a um, preview video for this that looks uh, very cool like it's going to be like a sort of I guess how they have like the the master's uh, classes or what's the other um, those sort of uh, the online the, it used to be called the great courses now it's something else It looks like it's going to be similar to that sort of thing, but for Imagineering, and it's I'm 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 definitely excited about checking that out. That looks very cool. I don't know what it's going to cost. Um, Lesson one: Creating worlds. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be free or what. Uh, huh. No, looks like you can click right on there. Lesson one: Creating worlds. Intro to creating worlds. Introduction to our lesson on creating worlds. Uh, intro to creating worlds. Thinking about the story of a land. See, there you go. Exercise one: your own land. The theme of a land. Exercise two: theme layout. Exercise three: designing buildings for a land. Oh man, this looks this looks cool. Yeah, uh, I I I think you should definitely check that out. I'm gonna be having some fun with that myself. So, Imagineering story, the the documentary series, the book. And Imagineering in a box, man. That is, cool. you know, you can criticize the company for, and they get a lot of criticism uh, these days for how they're run, and uh, you know, the way they interact with customers and fans and whatever. But uh, and you know, I think some of it may be a little overblown. I think some, you know, people like to complain. I think a lot of it is warranted. But that that is cool. That's very cool. I can't wait to get into that. Next up, we have behind the attraction, a fun little series produced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Some of you may know as the star of the Jungle Cruise, Disney's Jungle Cruise live-action movie with Emily Blunt, amongst many many other titles. Also, uh, other Disney connection, obviously as Maui in Moana, and you know you may have seen him in one or two other movies as well. Uh, but he he's the I think executive producer behind this series, and it was timed. Uh, the release of this was timed to coincide with the release of the live action, uh, mostly live action. There's a lot of there's a lot of CG in that movie. Um, release of the Jungle Book, and of course that it's a, so that is the first episode of this ten episode series, which, as the title suggests, takes you behind the attractions at various Disney parks around the world, uh, and takes you through the concept, the making of, and then. Uh, We'll even take you past that to, like, with the Haunted Mansion, the various versions at different parks or, like, Space Mountain as well. Or, um, I think sometimes they try to, they do a lot to kind of stretch the runtime of this to fulfill the, you know, get to close to, I think they're all around 40, 44 minutes. They're supposed, they're basically the runtime of an hour show if it was on network television and had commercial breaks. Um, But it doesn't, so I don't know why they couldn't just make them an hour. But I, well, they, because they do feel like they're, padding for content at the end some of the ways because i think i think it's the end of the space mountain episode where they um try to talk about how it's you know sort of led to uh no star tours i think ends with um that's right there's a star tours episode that ends with uh you know galaxy's edge and rise of the resistance and all that um which i guess yeah fits in but whatever uh all right never mind forget what i said previously (laughs) um but yeah, so there is uh, there's ten episodes. It's from the same people, the same production company who uh did behind uh, the what was it, the toys that made us and the movies that made a series over on Netflix, and um, so it's got that same vibe, that same sensibility, which I know can I'm not crazy about it. Lake Bell does the narration. She's a comedic actress who's a. Done some really cool stuff. She, and she's good. She's good at what, you know, the job calls for her to do. She's actually, uh, I think wrote, I don't know if she directed it, but and starred in a uh, movie called In a World where her father was a famed voiceover uh, artist who did, you know, was the trailer guy. You know, he's supposed to be like, you know, Don LaFontaine was the name of the guy who did the In a World Where This Happens and this happens, and then you go over here, but a hero arises, and he will be the guy who does the thing, you know, that sort of thing, um, <laughs> who, uh, Don La, the late great Don LaFontaine, who was apparently famous for doing just one take, anyway, uh, her father, the, her character's father is that sort of, um, You know, is is a Don LaFontaine like figure in this movie, and he's getting on in years, and I think retiring or just you know sort of maybe being you know doing less and less work. Anyway, she wants to take his place, or not take his place, but sort of um, succeed him as as the trailer uh, person, the voice, the go to uh, trailer voiceover person. But of course, she's a woman, so that's you know, but it's 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 interesting and it's fun and it's a it's a fun movie. And as a as a voiceover guy myself. I, uh, I I I enjoy it. Got a kick out of it. Um, so she does a good job, but but there is a there is an energy to the the way these people make these. You know, again, like the toys that made us, um, which I loved when it first came out. I think four years ago because you know it's Transformers and GI Joe and stuff. It's cool, <laughs> but uh, it, it it's a very sort of uh, hyper, very jokey. I wish they took things a little like like they not seriously, but you don't have to try to make a joke at everything. You don't have to keep going to the the, the wacky sound cues and reactions and things like that. There's, there's a lot of that in there uh, that I wish wasn't. It, it's sort of like, you know, like it's made, it seems for sort of like the TikTok generation, you know, a little bit, which is odd because the whole, the whole, all three of these series are bi- built on nostalgia. I mean, they're basically pitched towards nostalgic uh, Gen Xers and elder millennials. Uh, and yet they are made in a way to appeal to like a uh, 16-year-old TikTok addict who's, uh, you know, out of their Adderall or something. <laughs> but um, it's still – they're still worth watching. They're worth watching because they do uh, they do feature some, some interesting, uh, you know, concept art and interviews and, and little – facts and tidbits that you don't find necessarily find other places and you know in a very nice succinct way um and you know and, and they and they go over a lot like episode one is the jungle cruise two is the haunted mansion three star tours episode four the twilight zone tower of terror i have not watched that episode yet i've never ridden the twilight zone tower of terror because i am a big giant baby who does not like like heights or drops but the next time i go i'm gonna think i might try to i don't know if I go in January for the uh, arts festival, um, whew, my, may, maybe this will be the year where there will be enough alcohol, you know, enough visits to the Baseline Tap House where I head over there. And uh, that's – well, I guess as I mentioned in the first episode of uh, this, one of the reasons I like going back to – I, I I've tried to make at least annual trips to Disney world is because I, I, I have a little, I'm not crazy about certain rides and, and I had, I, I'm not crazy about heights and I wasn't even crazy about flying. So I, I try to do all these things as often as possible to, uh, to conquer my fear. So, uh, 2023 might be the year that I ride tower of terror. Um, we'll see. I mean, I base, I almost had a, I basically had a panic attack getting off the skyliner. Um, last time I went to Epcot I was like I I think the uh I was a little embarrassed when the cast members saw me like I, I got off and I put my head between my knees I was like sitting there like, like deep breaths <laughs> uh the, yeah so maybe this year we'll finally get over that um episode episode five a ride that I that I you know when I went there four years ago and rode with my um with my ex-fiance and her young, like eight and six-year-old niece. They were making fun of me for riding with my eyes closed. But I enjoy now. I enjoy it now. I, I go and ride with my eyes open, laughing and, and having fun. And that is Space Mountain. <laughs> so episode five is Space Mountain. Episode six is the castles. Uh and it obviously talks about uh, you know, sleep all the various sleeping beauty, Cinderella Castles, the the main Central Castle in the Magic Kingdom right at each park around the world. Uh, the Disneyland Hotel is Episode 7, which is kind of cool because, as I said, I'm an East Coast guy. Never been to Disneyland. Not really familiar with the history uh, there or the hotel at all. Uh, so that was really cool for me to get a behind-the-scenes there. Uh, it's a Small World, Episode 8. Episode 9, Trains, Trams, and Monorails, which is pretty cool. And Episode 10, Hall of Presidents. Uh I think 8 and 10 both get into uh cuz yeah obviously 8 and 10 it's a small world and the Hall of Presidents episodes each separately kind of give you a little inf- uh a little backstory into the 1964 World's Fair as well because that is obviously where um you know I think uh, was it Pepsi and UNICEF sponsored the you know it's a small world and and then uh you know the great moments with Mr. Lincoln uh that you know sort of was the predecessor in the uh The beginnings of the Hall of Presidents uh, started there, so those two episodes are kind of cool for that as well. A little bit of backstory to that. Uh, I'm assuming episode one of season two will be pirates. I I can't imagine it not being that. But um, yeah, it's a cool, it's a great, it's a fun series. Uh, Like I said, it can be a little, you know, grating in its for certain people of a certain age or a certain sensibility. I uh, I know sometimes I'm a little like all right, all right. Yeah, I I get it you know but uh overall uh definitely fun definitely uh, you know right I, I, anything I'm talking about on here I recommend there's nothing that I that I overall dislike this is probably the one that I that I you know if I if there's anything that I have any sort of negative opinion about it would be you know just it would be this one and its overall vibe but uh but still Still worth watching, and a lot of and, and a lot of fun, and a lot of great, you know, um, vintage footage in there, and as well as uh, art and interviews and stuff. So that is, uh, what is it? Well, behind the attraction, that's what it is. Check that out. Finally, uh, as we finish up the episode here, my final, my final episode for a while, for a few weeks at least, I think, where it's just me rambling on for an hour. Um, much much to my delight and probably yours too we're gonna to start having some guests on and uh I'm looking forward to that uh and I'm gonna be preparing my next uh well I, I I'm gonna do a few little solo ones like I said what well, for the premium subscribers the bonus episode uh that I'll be doing this weekend we'll be talking more about uh the current state of the company and certain things that are going on there that uh you know have been in the news lately um and then I think next month, uh, I'm gonna start preparing and researching and, and planning out and ma- and actually have copious amounts of notes uh, something that I mentioned on last week's episode I was originally going to do an episode dedicated completely to Snow White and the seven dwarfs and the making of and sort of my uh, opinions and analysis of it and things that I that I notice and and, and like about it um, Instead of doing that, I'm going to record it as a DVD Blu-ray commentary that I will post to Substack for premium subscribers. And you can sync it up with the movie when you watch it and uh, watch them together. And that, that'll that be my Christmas gift to you, dear listener, dear premium subscriber. It's only 5 bucks a month, $50 a year. That's a $10 bargain. Why don't you go for that? And as I said, you get 20% off of my store if you're looking for any uh, gift ideas. For uh, the upcoming Christmas holiday season, he uh, can head over to that. The links will all be in the show notes. But first, we have one more thing to talk about. That's the Adventures Through the Walt Disney Archives, hosted by the aforementioned Don Hahn, producer of Beauty and the Beast and many other Disney classics. And uh, it's it's an hour long special where he's sort of a uh, it's it you know it's it's him. Touring the Walt Disney archives, but it also kind of goes around and he goes to this one warehouse, uh, often near one of the parks where they have a lot of old, um, I, I you know, uh, uh, props from movies and the, and the, and was it cars, rides, moving things from the attractions? <laughs> uh, and checks that out. And it's very, it's very cute and it's very, it's very cool because they, you see some really cool stuff and, you know, you see some nice, uh, you know some nice animate you know animation art uh some great matte paintings some great costumes and props uh there's they also go to I think it's Walt Disney's uh old Woking Way home the um the is it, is it that or is it the one on Carol is it the one of on Los- is it Woking Way or, Cal- or Carol wood drive can't remember but it's Walt Disney's house you know uh, that he lived in and they and they take you on a tour through there as well uh I think it's the Woking Way one I think it's the, the first one I think it's the one before Carol wood yeah the smaller one um anyway uh it's really cool and it's and it's fun because you know it's very jokey and it's and it's it's very you know staged and written but it's kind of interesting how you know and it's almost a little like the reluctant dragon where you know like benchley's trying to get to one place and he keeps getting waylaid and sent to these other places and it's like you know and it's a sort of like oh don here you oh we didn't expect to see you here well hey you know why don't you go do this thing and then and it's you know and uh it's 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 fun and he does a great job he's very uh, personable and, uh, you know, we started out being a, an animator and a producer and now is, uh, now gets to be a host of Disney, uh, Disney plus produced show. And, uh, that's a lot of fun to but two other things that he has, uh, I, I, documentaries on there, Don Hahn was involved with, uh, there, there, there are documentaries on projects he was involved with and people he was involved with that are not, um, that are not about, you know, Walt's time, uh is Howard and Waking Sleeping Beauty, and these largely have to do with, uh, you know, the the late 80s, early 90s Disney Renaissance era, specifically the making of, uh, you know, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. One is a documentary on Howard Ashman, the lyricist, playwright, story man uh, behind Little Shop of Horrors, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. He was sort of the main, one of the main driving creative forces uh, behind Beauty and the Beast, not just the lyrics for their songs, but the story uh, as well. And uh, it's you know he, he you know was a uh, was a gay man in the '80s who contracted AIDS and, and died before uh, Beauty and the Beast was was released before he could see what a success it was. So it's uh it's a great documentary about a, a you know singular American life, a great creative mind, a guy who contributed a, a lot to Disney and its legacy, um, and you know, definitely you know, a bit of a tearjerker. And Waking Sleeping Beauty is you know sort, sort of set in the same period and about how. Disney sort of uh you know came back from you know the sort of moribund uh, late 70s early 80s and you know uh Katzenberg and Eisner t- you know taking over the company and nearly wanting to shut the animation studio down and then how you know they sort of came back with uh you know Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and all the uh movies from that great and- early 90s, Disney, late 80s, early 90s, Disney renaissance, and as I think I mentioned in the first or second episode, just a real animation renaissance, I mean, between, you know, Don Bluth and Warner Brothers television animation and uh, Nicktoons and The Simpsons, I mean, that was late, the mid-80s the mid 80s to the mid-90s, it was a fantastic time to be an animation fan, especially at my age, he, he sort of, as I was going through my tweens and teens and into high school, there was very impressionable, and led and led to me being right here, right now, where I am. Why, you know, it was how how could you not love animation? Being an artist, growing up at that time, being an illustrator. Uh, so there you go. There, there's pretty much. I think I think I covered everything. That if you're if you're looking to learn as much about uh, Walt and Disney and Disney history uh, as you can, strictly by watching. Disney Plus by what's available on Disney Plus. I think I covered it all except Saving Mr. Banks, which of course you can watch if you want the you know, which is obviously not a documentary at all. Um, if you want the, some behind the scenes uh, insight into uh, the making of Mary Poppins, obviously though that's uh, going to be you know fictionalized to a certain degree. Um, and I and I need to see that. I have wa- I I still have not seen that. I know I know, bad Disney fan. Um, I'll get to that. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about. It. I see. So th- maybe yeah. Maybe we, if we do a Mary Poppins episode, I'll watch. That. I'll make sure to watch that for that um, and compare it to. Because I I haven't done a whole lot of research. I know a little bit about the behind the scenes of making of. I I want to learn more about that. Uh, the making of Mary Poppins b- first before I watch that movie, so I can do a little compare and contrast. Anyway, uh, so that's it for this episode. As I said. Uh, Please rate and review. If you're listening, you can find us on all the major podcast apps. And if you are, please rate and review us so that we can be found by other podcast listeners. Uh, please subscribe to the Substack either for free or a premium subscriber. Every little bit helps, especially now that we're heading into the winter. And I'm, I'm. This is it. I'm done with my, uh, my summer bartending gig. I'm just doing the art. I'm just doing the podcast. Just doing the Substack. And, you know, some voiceover stuff. Hopefully that picks up as well. But uh, if you want to, you know, make sure, if you if you really like, hey, we like this and we want to make sure you have all the time you need to put in as much effort into this as possible, then, uh, you know, paying for the Substack or purchasing some art helps me to do that. Uh, and you're gonna get some cool bonus material, and you're gonna be able to comment, and you are going to get twenty percent off of my store, my Big Cartel gallery store, uh, where you can purchase my original art, Disney and otherwise, as well as uh, signed prints of Disney and otherwise. Um, also, my T Public shop with a lot of uh, my design, my designs on various T-shirts and other merch. You can click the link in the show notes for that as well. Um, what else? I think that's it. Oh yeah, we're gonna be doing live streams. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but yeah, we're, every Wednesday to coincide with the dropping of each new episode, I'm gonna be going on. I think, well, yeah, like yeah, like as I said, it might probably wind up going to Twitch consistently, but you know, might go back and forth between Facebook Live, Instagram, or something. Uh, well, every Wednesday night, I'm gonna. I'm not entirely sure of the time. I'm recording this pretty late on a Wednesday today. Uh, there was some crazy construction going on next door. I wanted to record this in the morning, but was not able to get it done. Um, so I was hoping to already be live streaming right now. Uh, instead, I'm, I'm live talking or I'm pre-recorded talking uh, into a microphone. Um, so maybe tonight will be like 9 or 10 o'clock. So you might you might miss it, but whatever. And from now on, every Wednesday, we'll be doing that. I'll be, I'll be drawing or painting some different Disney uh, character or scene or thing. Uh, so please check that out. And, you know, listen, if, if, you, if, you, if you do nothing else, if you enjoy this and, you know, you want to contribute to the success and support this podcast at all, just uh, share it. Tell your friends, Disney, you know, all your Disney fan friends, family, whoever, uh, just send them the link, tell them about the podcast. Uh, every little bit helps. I appreciate that. I thank you very much. And uh, we will be back next Wednesday with an all-new episode. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, have a great, big, beautiful week.